I truly look up to, enjoy listening to, laugh with, because he's got a fabulous sense of humor, Pastor Brian Son. Welcome. Catherine, thank you very much. It's good to be here. Yay. Well, I am so, I'm so excited. You know, Brian has written so many books, it's kind of hard to know which one to tap into. The first one that kind of clued me into you before I kind of was tracking with sort of the stream that you're in or however you want to call that was beauty will save the world. Mm -hmm. And that's particularly um, sweet for me because the Lord uh, had sort of tasked me to write a book called redeeming beauty, which I'm working on, but it was Mm -hmm. um, like, Oh my God, we're tracking with something. So I was really excited, but then I was able to plumb into Wow, a myriad of things that you have written, which are all life-giving and amazing. So I'm really excited that you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know Pastor Brian Zahn, uh, I, I will read his official bio. So you <laughs> you have some sort of clue of where he's coming from. Pastor Brian Zond is the founder and lead pastor of Word of Life Church, a non-denominational Christian congregation in St. Joseph, Missouri. Uh, Brian and his wife, Perry, founded the church in 1981. Uh, Brian is also the author of several books, including Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God, Water to Wine, A Farewell to Mars, Beauty Will Save the World, Um unconditional question mark the call of jesus to radical forgiveness and his newest when everything's on fire and uh boy we're seeing a lot of things on fire <laughs> literally literally and figuratively uh and you have gone through your own journey with us so this is a, a personal thing for you and uh you write out of that a lot so i thought maybe we could dive into that if that works for you yeah, maybe we could uh I'll tell you how the book I mean I actually do in the first part of the book, but um I wrote the book in twenty twenty, that year. Yeah, I remember twenty twenty. It seems oh. like longer ago actually that I wrote it. But that's that's <laughs> there's when a I lot wrote that's it. happened, right? So so in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. my wife, Perry and I were walking for the third time, uh the Camino de Santiago. This is this 1,200-year-old pilgrimage route. Mm -hmm. Uh, The most famous is across northern Spain. Uh, The the traditional famous popular route is you begin in Saint-Jean-Pied-de-Port, France, and you walk westward for 500 miles until you arrive in Santiago de Compostela, Spain. And... um, you know, people maybe are mystified as why we would do such a thing, you know, walk 500 miles and then do it again. <laughs> um, because it's the best thing for me. Mm. I mean, it's so good for my soul. And um, so anyway, so, you know, you walk, we walk 12 to 15 miles a day, carrying all our stuff on our back. And uh, it gives you a lot of time to think. I mean, it it is a contemplative exercise, you know, to just reduce your life to the simplicity of walking 12 to 15 miles a day. Some days are 18. (laughs) Those are miserable. But, uh, but, 
it gives it gives everything slows down. And and one of the things about the Camino de Santiago mm-hmm. is people have been doing this for over a thousand years, mm-hmm. and all kinds of churches, chapels, shrines have sprung up along the the way. So there is there is a sense in which the Camino can feel like a time machine, where it takes you. you I mean, you're very aware of the world before modernity when you're walking that. I mean, yeah, you've got your cell phone and and it's not it's not completely erasing modernity, but you sense an earlier epoch for sure. Wow. Mm-hmm. And as I was walking for the third time in mm-hmm. 2019, I began to realize that and and I'm I'm not trying to be overly romantic about the medieval period. But I do I do acknowledge that there was a time when a the wider society simply assumed the existence of God and more or less would facilitate um, the capacity for faith that it was that it was an assumed mm-hmm. that people would believe in God and even believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God was you know just assumed in Western Europe. And of course, all that's changed, and it's changed dramatically, mm-hmm. and things are hard, mm-hmm. and things are difficult, and things are on fire. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking, okay, if if I could walk with someone who is just about to leave the Christian faith, they're they're just about done with it. Yeah, they they have a very tenuous hold, like a thread, mm-hmm. to Christianity, and they're about to just be done with it. Mm-hmm. What might a conversation with this person be like as we walked? Yeah. And so I was thinking that for about two weeks, you know, because you got plenty of time to two weeks you know, you have, a lot you of You don't miles. have to be in a hurry on a commit. So I was thinking about that for two weeks. Wow. And we arrived, our destination on one day's stage was um, Castro Jariz this lovely hilltop town in northern Spain, and we arrived there after our walk. And I was sitting out on a veranda after the walk, mm-hmm. and I just thought, okay, I need to write on this. And I pulled out the little notebook I had with me, and I wrote down the 11 chapters that actually appear in that book, and I gave it the title, When Everything's on Fire. Usually when I write, I was just talking to my editor last week, mm-hmm. and I'm working on a new book, and they were really pushing me to tell him what it's about. I said, I don't know. <laughs> I've got to write it before I ever know what it's about. I mean, you know, it sort of appears as I write it. That's typically how I write. I'll have an idea. And then the act of writing actually creates the book, mm-hmm. even for me, right? Okay. This book was different. This book, I kind of knew what I wanted to say. And I knew what the 11 chapters were going to be. And and so I came home I didn't really start on it. This was in the fall of 2019. I started on it in in 2020, mm-hmm. and then and then and then everything was on fire. I'd already given it the title when everything's on fire. I thought everything was on fire, and then I mean, everything was. On fire. You caused that. It was a prophetic <laughs> act, right there. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So anyway, that's that's where the book comes from. Gotcha. Wow, and, and very interesting that it, it was kind of downloaded as you walked and meditated. Yeah, and that's that's an unusual experience for me. Usually I have an inkling of mm-hmm. what I want to say in a book. And then I just, 
And it's frustrating to, to, <laughs> to my literary agent and my editor who, who want me to tell them right. a year in advance what a book's going to be like. I said, I don't know. I got to write it and then we'll know. I do when I know. Uh, but this one was different. This one I, I did know. Wow. That is amazing. And I love that you had a very specific audience in mind. I'm yeah. hanging on to Christianity by a thread. Right. Uh, because I, I've been so assaulted by whatever. And yeah. I'm not growing up in a culture where we're assuming God, we're assuming Jesus as the Christ. Uh, and, you know, so that that's fascinating. So, so if you would elaborate on, okay, so what are the fires? Um, what do they look like? How do we address these fires in our hearts? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't really, um, I don't know. I don't, in the book, you know, I don't really enumerate it. Here, here's the mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. but, but that is my metaphor for um, a Christianity imperiled. Yes. You know, it was uh, four years ago, whatever it would be. Today's the 18th, so three days ago. April 15th, Mm -hmm. 2000, I guess it would be 19. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, um, that's the fire of Notre Dame. And um, I've been to Paris a lot, and Mm -hmm. I love... Notre Dame Cathedral. I mean, I really do. In fact, I love it so much that when I'm in Paris, depending on where I'm staying, I will often visit it every day. I'll oh, go every day wow. if I can. Nice. And I just I just love the place, and I have lots of reasons, but I, I just do. Mm-hmm. And four years ago, it was during Holy Week. Mm-hmm. Was it four or was it five? I'm, I'm, I'm a bit off here. I, it doesn't matter. Somebody can find out when it was. But uh, it was during Holy Week. It was it was the Monday of Holy Week, and we'd just come out of a noon Holy Week prayer service in our church, and I got on a, a little, you know, as you do, a little message on your phone that Notre Dame was on fire. And I just, oh. I, I could hardly have been more shocked if I had received a message telling me that my house was on fire. Right. And so I rushed home, turned on the television, and just was was transfixed. And wept. I mean, tears came to my eyes as as I watched this grand, noble, medieval cathedral going up in flames. And it looked like, and we thought maybe the entire cathedral was going to be lost. Yeah. And I mean, I was conscious even in them. I mean, there were there were tears in my eyes, just actually for the for the building itself. You know, for Notre Dame, this great architectural wonder, this one of the most beautiful you know, cathedrals in the world. But I I was aware even in the moment that my tears were also for the power of the metaphor that I was seeing. Yeah. That there's so much, I mean, with scandals, Mm -hmm. with just the challenge of modernity itself that Nietzsche kind of foresaw and foretold, Mm -hmm. um, the church seems to be in a perilous condition. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is the possibility, at least not, if not, I don't mean necessarily for the whole world, but for any given Christian to lose the church, to lose it. Yeah. Let me finish. Let me keep going for a moment here with that story, though. Mm -hmm. What I I found interesting was 
how moved Parisians were. You know, in some ways, Paris is sort of the, I don't know, you could call it the epicenter of Western secularism. Yeah. I mean, a picture of secularism is just the Parisian walking past Notre Dame with shoulder shrugging indifference. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on that day, they did care. Yeah. And they might not have known how much they did care about Notre Dame until it was on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, I'm, I'm talking about a building, but I'm talking about more than a building. Of course. And so I wonder at times that are there more people than we suppose who are they say they're done with the church, right. but they secretly, maybe even it's a secret to themselves that deep within them, mm-hmm. there is this notion, but I still want the church to be there in case I need it. Right. And, and that if, if that the church could actually it. be lost, they would be devastated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's, and then I, because I was so fascinated, I, I read everything I could and watched some documentaries on, you know that the fire, but also the the effort to rebuild, um, and uh, you know that that cathedral almost was lost. If the two bell towers had collapsed, the whole structure would have come down. Exactly, and it it came within maybe a half an hour of that happening. Mm-hmm. And the reason it was saved was a particular fire company volunteered after another company had refused. A particular fire company said, we will pull we'll pull these hoses up into these towers. And I've, I've walked up into those towers, these, these winding, winding, winding staircases. Wow. And they knew it was, you know, hazardous. Wow. And to go, carrying all of your gear and the tanks and, and mm-hmm. smoke and and then to go up in there. But they risk they were willing to risk their lives mm-hmm. to wow. save that edifice, that cathedral. And I thought, well, I want to be, I want to do my, I want to do all I can mm-hmm. to I, I don't want to even finish the sentence because I want I, I don't want to say save the church. That's not my job. That's Jesus. Upon right. this rock, I'll build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against. I get that. I get that. But it, that doesn't preclude the possibility in any given moment in a particular generation that the church is lost to many, many people. Exactly. Well, I want to try to keep that from happening for as many people as I can. So things are on fire. People's faith is imperiled. People are finding it hard maybe to continue with the faith they received as a child. And so that's why I wrote the book is to help people continue to believe. And I do it by, I mean, one thing I start off by kind of trying to diagnose the problem, mm-hmm. what has happened. And anyway, that's, that's because so that's how the book begins <laughs> of sorts. That is powerful. <laughs> that is so, and, and it's so diagnostic. What a, what a picture of people struggle like our, yeah. Our, our faith in, in individually, corporately is in peril. I mean, Christ is good, <laughs> yeah. but individually people do lose their way. And, and the fruit of that is, is disastrous. And we, we deconstruct until we have no construct and then right. we have no meaning. And then you might as well just stick our head in the oven. And so, um, so well, help us out or help the one watching that is, you know, I, I can relate. I, I feel like Notre Dame. I, you know, I feel like I, I, I can't, yeah. I was brought up with this, but I, or I had this, but you know, through, through whatever it means. We, we have what we call today 
the phenomenon of deconstruction. Probably if someone's seen listening to this podcast, they probably are familiar with that word mm-hmm. used in a Christian context. And really, let's be honest, it's primarily an evangelical mm-hmm. Christian context. Um, well, I have so much to say. I'm not terribly fond of the term deconstruction. Uh, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to scold someone for using it. I understand why they would do that. But mm-hmm. I mean, my first pushback would be, um, I mean, I know enough philosophy to know what, it, what deconstruction actually is. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it is a philosophy of language mm-hmm. given to us by Jacques Derrida mm-hmm. and the way we use it currently in our current Christian crisis is not exactly what Derrida means by deconstruction, but so be it. Um, I understand, though, that a person can reach the point where the Christianity they have inherited Mm -hmm. that was passed on to them in one way or another seems no longer sustainable. Mm -hmm. And so they've reached a point where they have to critically rethink some things. Mm-hmm. And so you can call that deconstruction if you like. Um, but you have to understand deconstruction is not an end. It's it's a technique. Mm-hmm. It's a means. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a process that that many through really no choice of their own are going to have to walk through. Uh, and so I want to help people do that in a in a way that when you well, you begin the process, and at the hopefully there is some resolution to the process, and there's some kind of faith left. Yes. Now, now, you know, I think you alluded to this very early, maybe even before we started recording. I can't remember, but um, I have my own story of something mm-hmm. like this that began almost 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and back, and I would never have called it deconstruction. No one was using that term. That term was not in vogue then. Right. But what happened with me? I was. I was uh, in my early 40s, and I had been, at this point, I'd been in ministry for, I'd been a pastor for 20 years, and I just felt like, when I say felt, I mean, it wasn't just an opinion I held, but it was a a crisis deep within my soul Mm -hmm. that Jesus deserved a better Christianity than I knew. For me, this particular crisis of faith that really began in earnest in 2004, there were mm-hmm. antecedents, but it really began in earnest in 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't a crisis of faith regarding Christ, mm-hmm. but regarding Christianity, which sometimes it helps make a distinction between the two, right? And <laughs> what, what I was really beginning to rethink was I would describe it as Christianity American style. Mm-hmm. It felt too thin, mm-hmm. too modern, mm-hmm. too contemporary, mm-hmm. too American, I guess would be one phrase to use for it. Too uh commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, I could use all of those kind of words. And so it sent me into a kind of desperation mode mm-hmm. to find a better, worthier Christianity. Now, this could happen to anyone, I suppose, and I'm, I'm sure it does, but I mean, to lots of people, but sure. <laughs> I, mine was a little bit unique in that I was doing this as a fairly well-known, visible 
pastor while pastoring the church. That is quite the tightrope. <laughs> yeah. So I was doing this very publicly yes, and making changes. And uh, so I've been through that. I know what I know what it's like to go through that, at least to a certain extent, I know what it's like. Sure. My metaphor, and then it's in the memoir I wrote about that period of time in my life called it's called watered wine because in the end, that's what it felt to me like. I mean, yes, there was the initial anxiety, the disappointment with what Christianity I knew. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, what are you going to do with that? Right. But, you know, seeking you shall find. And I did begin to find richer, deeper, more historic Christianity that I could live into both as just a believer, but also as a pastor. And for me, it was like Jesus turning the water to wine. What had happened in midlife is is the wine had run out, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, what is the party going to be over? And what happened was the miracle of Cana, <laughs> that Jesus turned the water. So, so I would much rather talk about, like, art restoration or water to wine rather than deconstruction, because the, the, the term deconstruction is too close to destruction. It is and just 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 in the way we hear the word, right? And we don't want to go through a destruction of faith. What we want to do is find a better faith, yeah. purified. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's because it. if you think about it, Catherine, um, even vehement critics mm-hmm. of Christianity. Mm-hmm. angry atheists protest i call them protest atheists because what they're really doing is they're they are lashing out at a certain caricature of god yes um even those people though rarely if ever directly criticize or attack jesus that is true it's the church that's the problem it's maybe certain aspects of christian theology that are no longer sustainable but Jesus himself just seems to shine through all of that. And so what I want to do is help people find a way to hold on to Jesus. And then if you hold on to Jesus, other things can begin to fall in place. And that is so key. What do you, what are you holding on to, you know, um, and holding on, holding on to Jesus, boy, that'll, that'll do it. That's eternal. That's the rock. That's everything. And it is that that's how you, we're kind of walking through your own on fire experience, your own, wow, we are, we are, we're at the party. We're out of wine. Are we now we're switching to water? What's going on here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> is that what helped you? You know, yes. And, but, but I have to be honest. I have a, I have a chapter in when everything's on fire. I'm, I'm looking at it right now to see which, which chapter it is. Cause I can't remember. Chapter five is titled "Losing Jesus," and what, and I, I I use some examples from Scripture. Um, for example, Mary, the mother of Jesus, she loses him. And then, remember that famous story when he's twelve, and you know, I think people know the story. The family goes to the Passover festival. He's twelve years old. They travel, you know, with all the people from Nazareth, extended family, friends sort of kind of a caravan thing. Now Passover's over and they're they're heading back. And he's 12, so they gave him, you know, some liberty. He's with his cousins, he's with his friends, he's with the aunts and uncles in the caravan. 
Uh, they get two days into and they realize Jesus is not in the caravan. This is, I call this Mary's home alone moment, you know, Kevin, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, and they rush back. Of course, they're, they're, you know, you, you know, a parent mm-hmm. has lost a child mm-hmm. for days now. It's been days. Wow. Mm-hmm. And at last they find him in the temple, mm-hmm. engaging the scholars in Torah discussion. <laughs> and there's that, yeah, every parent will know this. The, the, when you go from fear, Mm-hmm. To, anger. to anger no 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 fear to relief the relief is like one second yes <laughs> and then you're to anger <laughs> and, and you mary says child why have you done this to us your father and i have been looking everywhere for you. Thanks. You can see <laughs> it's it. so yeah. human it's so yes. real yeah everybody goes i i, I totally get that <laughs> and 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 then jesus says mm-hmm. why were you looking for me which come on <laughs> <laughs> Why were you looking for me? Didn't you know mm-hmm. I had to be in my father's house? Yeah. Well, okay, she has found Jesus. <laughs> then she she had Jesus. She lost Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She found him again, and now she has to seriously rethink him. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. She's, she has to remember this is not just an adolescent. This is the word of God in adolescence. This is, wow. and so she has to. So I'm, I'm, I'm not just telling a Bible story. And then I also work with Mary Magdalene, who loses Jesus to death, mm-hmm. yeah. but then finds him, supposes him to be the gardener. He's not, but Jesus. And when Jesus speaks her name, she recognizes him, Rabboni. But Jesus, you know, don't cling to me, right? Because she's going to have to rethink Jesus now. Yeah. Because Jesus is going to ascend to the Father, that he might fill all things everywhere with himself. She will still know Jesus, but not as she has known him. Wow. Yeah. And so when I say when I say we hold on to Jesus, we we do, but not in the clingy way of I have to always understand and know Jesus as I knew him at some earlier point in life. Because part of growth is to go, ah. I'm going to have to rethink some things. I'm, I mean, I'm, I would never question someone's genuine. I mean, I, I wouldn't question how genuine someone's confessed relationship with Jesus is. Yeah, fine. But I'm going to tell you, as you grow and mature, you, that needs to change probably, right? I mean, are we going to say that that I understood the Son of God perfectly from the moment that I, in some way or another, became a believer. No, that's where we start. Right. And sometimes the only way to move forward is to, for a season, lose Jesus, mm-hmm. to feel like we lose Jesus. Lose the old version that we were related yeah. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I play around with the Good. thought of, of uh, the caravan that Jesus is not in. Mm-hmm. I, you know, for every year, he's always come back to Nazareth yeah. Yeah. with this bunch. Mm-hmm. And but this year, Jesus is not with them. And, you know, that can be an experience for people. Mm-hmm. Now, And one of the options is I don't recommend it. But what a lot of people do is they'll just pretend. Well, let's just pretend that Jesus is still in this. Oh. And maybe Jesus is not in that movement at all anymore 
Mm-hmm. And you may have to look in some new places. I don't want to put too fine a point on it, mm-hmm. um, but you can't ju- you can't say Jesus was in this movement mm-hmm. X number of years ago. True, we're not arguing that. Mm-hmm. But that is he still? Yeah, Boy, or has he gone somewhere else? And you need to find him. So good. I mean, that even as I say that, take. I'm a pastor yes. of a of a local church. I, I pastored one local church, just I mean one for That's 41 years. So I, I know that what I'm saying almost could like encourage people to go to what we call church hopping. I'm not saying that. On the other hand, I am saying something. And <clears throat> when people speak. When when Christians speak of deconstruction, again, I already said this, mm-hmm. uh, it's almost exclusively someone that comes from an evangelical, mm-hmm. charismatic mm-hmm. background in one way or another. Sure. That That's where this phenomenon is sure. found. Sure. That's where that language is used. And one of the bad habits within the general evangelical milieu mm-hmm. <laughs> is to think that evangelicalism is the only true Christianity. Yes. And that's a double-edged sword. People that are in it enthusiastically, okay, maybe for a time, it's not true, but at least, you know, it adds some sort of energy <laughs> to what they're doing. But if you, just, if, you, if you reach the point where at least certain aspects of evangelicalism are no longer really an option in your life, mm-hmm. then you end up thinking, well, I'm done with Christianity. Right. It's all, uh, yeah, we're throwing out. So, so. Which is a, which is a characteristic of fundamentalism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I've seen people become fundamental Christians, and then within six months become fundamental atheists. Yeah, but they're still fundamentalists. Right. What they should have let go of is their fundamentalism, not their Christianity. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And And uh, so when we tie everything, when we bundle everything together. Which, which is a characteristic, especially of more fundamentalist mm-hmm. aspects of Christianity. So, so if if you don't believe that the universe is six thousand years old or the Earth is six thousand years old, then you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. <laughs> that kind of, you know, yeah, you tie everything so that if you lose one thing, you can lose everything. Whole sweater so, falls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so things need to be held more, maybe hold to Jesus as much as you can, but other things hold very loosely. Yeah. I'm sort of just rambling now, but no, that, but these this are the is kind so of things good. that are in the book. Yeah, I mean, this is so good because, you know, what do you hold on to and what do you hold on yeah. loosely? And, and then recognizing that he's really holding on to us, which is, you know, in, in our process, right. which is what gives me peace as you're sort of, uh, you know, testing out all the sacred cows that you thought were the gospel <laughs> um, and letting it hash through however it's supposed to look like. Um, and yeah, so you can have peace in the midst of it while you were questioning things and um, and let let the shaking happen. Right. Let everything that's not true shake off. And it's interesting. You're left with precious little, but it's precious. Like the 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 hills that you yeah. are willing to die on, so to speak, are just a person who you're also evolving with. But the other stuff you get to hold loosely, which is which is um which is 
a relief because we carry these things and they they initially had life, but now they become burdens and crush. Yeah. That's been my, if, my perspective, but however. If your Christianity mm-hmm. isn't as beautiful mm-hmm. as Jesus, then then totally give yourself permission to look for a better Christianity because it's out there. It's actually out there. And it's this thing about not. So, so let's talk about, let's talk about, well, we could talk about like four things, Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to decide what order I want to do these Christ, the church, Mm -hmm. the Bible, Mm -hmm. Christianity. Mm-hmm. Those are four distinct entities. Mm-hmm. We get into trouble theologically and otherwise if we conflate any of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know you'll have you'll have people to say you know this is Christianity. You know you know hold the Bible. No, it's not. Um, so let's let me take just a little bit and unpack that. Yeah. Okay, Christ Jesus Christ is. This is the the word made flesh, the logos of God made flesh, crucified and risen, Lord. Okay, we get that. I think. Uh, I gotta think what what we want to do next. Uh, the church mm-hmm. is the gathering mm-hmm. of the baptized of those who confess that Jesus is Lord, and in some way or another are attempting to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so. The, so the church is a gathering. It's an assembly. It's a it's a body of people. Mm-hmm. That share a common faith and confession and, and intention to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. The Bible is the canonical text. Canonical meaning um, from canon rule. This, these are the these are the set scriptures that we call sacred and inspired and authoritative within our faith. And then fourth, and this is where I'm going to lose some people, but I'm going to reel you back in. I'm going to help you. Christianity is the religion that grew up around Jesus Christ and the confession that he is Lord. And people say, no, 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 no. Christianity is not a religion. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it will help you so much to acknowledge this. Mm -hmm. Because if Christianity isn't a religion, which, by the way, everybody knows that it is, you know, when when you tell people Christianity is a religion, they're like, what are you talking about? Of course, yes, it is a religion. Mm -hmm. If we say it's not a religion... Then we, we say, okay, it's a relationship. Well, then then you're in danger of conflating Christ mm-hmm. and Christianity into the same thing, and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And also, if you say, well, it's not a religion, then then what is it? Mm-hmm. You'll end up trying to assert that it well, it's just it's just truth, ultimate truth. No, Christians do not confess that Christianity is ultimate truth. Mm-hmm. Christians confess that Jesus yes, is yes. the truth. Yes. And Christianity is the religion of beliefs and practices mm-hmm. that grow up around mm-hmm. Christ. Mm-hmm. And as such, listen to this, it's capable of change, growth, and development. And that's a good thing. So, yes. for example, for example, so we have we have the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible, what do we say about the Bible? It's the inspired text mm-hmm. that is authoritative in the sense that we have to always engage with it when we are doing Christian theology. Mm-hmm. But we can't pretend the Bible is perfect in ways that it's not. Mm-hmm. I'll give you if, if we're one, honest. Of the, one, one of the clearest examples. Mm-hmm. 
the Bible in neither the Old Testament nor the New Testament mm -hmm. gives an unequivocal condemnation of the institution of slavery. Mm -hmm. In both Testaments, mm -hmm. slavery is just an assumed institution. It just, it's just assumed that, yeah, of course there's slavery. There doesn't seem to be that there's a little bit in Paul's writings mm -hmm. where uh, when Paul is urging. Uh, well, when he says there's neither slave nor free in mm -hmm. Christ, mm -hmm. OK, we're, we're now beginning to erase that distinction. And that will have implications. But still, let's just say whether Paul is the author of Ephesians, which actually I think he is, mm -hmm. uh, or Colossians. But those those books both say slaves obey your masters okay so this becomes a scandal for people right and 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 it can become the Stumbling tripping block. point where mm -hmm. people okay I'm, I'm done with christianity because the, the christianity doesn't even know that slavery is bad no christianity does know mm -hmm. this is the text this is the soil of which we have to always stay rooted in, mm -hmm. but it's distinct from the faith that grows up out of it so th yeah. think of think of a tree all mm -hmm. right so you have a tree rooted in the soil, you can't you can't remove the tree from the soil and the trees survive. Mm -hmm. But the tree and the soil are not the same thing. Oh, that is so good. So if Christianity is a growing living faith, it is capable of producing branches, limbs, and boughs mm -hmm. of abolition, as it in fact has. Yes. And so in calling Christianity a religion. We're actually saying something very positive. Mm -hmm. We're saying, okay, this is not perfect, mm -hmm. and it's capable of self-evaluation, uh, mm -hmm. correction, change, growth, mm -hmm. and development. Mm -hmm. um, the the only thing that Christian, the only thing that Christians confess is perfect and infallible and in inerrant is Jesus. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's Jesus. That's right. that's who we speak of that of. So you see the problem that happens when we start mixing start those four together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's keep, keep them. They they yes they are related, but none of the four are the same. Yes. Christ, Church, Scripture, uh, Christianity. Yeah, and I think I think so just that, that that simple distinction mm -hmm. can really actually help people. And so you don't have to be done with Jesus if. The Christianity that you presently know and experience is no longer tenable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 what I'm about to say, people could critique and I could critique, but try to take it in good faith. There are better Christianities out there to be found if you'll go seek them out. Yes. Okay. Yes. That are more, or, 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 or there's the better theology. Track. You know, if yeah. if you're scandalized by some of your own theology, mm -hmm. you know, you think, well, I have to believe this. I, you know, I doubt that there are many, if any, um, theological problems that the church hasn't been addressing for many, many centuries mm -hmm. and actually doing it credibly mm -hmm. and, and helpfully. And, uh, and, but you may have to you may not find that in the little niche corner of your Christianity. So when you realize, no, no, Christianity is much bigger, much richer, yeah. much broader than my own particular narrow experience of it. Yeah. So that's what I encourage people. Maybe look around a little bit before you're before you're just done it's and walk away from the whole thing. thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe look around. Mm -hmm. In another book, I think it's in Beauty Will Save the World. It's not in, when everything's on fire. I, I talk about um, 
Christianity as a vast, glorious cathedral. Mm-hmm. And if you've been in these big cathedrals in Europe, you'll notice that all around there's there's chapels mm-hmm. within the the cathedral. There's you know the cathedral's big, but you have chapels with their own altars and crosses and yeah. symbols and whatever. Um, so there's many chapels. There's you know Orthodoxy and Catholicism and mm-hmm. Protestantism and Anabaptist churches and Evangelical, Charismatic, Pentecostal. All that sort of stuff. There's all kinds of chapels within the cathedral of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have some that have been, they, they've lived their whole life in, in the broom closet of a narrow sectarian fundamentalism, yeah. thinking that the broom closet That's is the whole of the cathedral. Right. <laughs> so, so maybe what you need to do is not just leave Christianity, but maybe step out of the broom closet of fundamentalism and go, Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> There's more of this than I thought. <laughs> and it's beautiful. And, and yes. I, I love yes. it. It's all embraced within the beauty of the cathedral. That's pointing to the person of Christ and uh, yes. following Christ, which is beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Thank you. That that helps so much because I, I think so many people feel like they have to abandon Jesus because their version of Christianity, they just can't, I can't, you know, I, I'm good till we got here and I can't, I can't stomach this anymore or whatever that is. So yeah, well, thank you. Anything else that, you know, the person who's hanging on by the thread, um, any other words of wisdom? Yeah. I mean, maybe for a time, mm-hmm. simplify your Christian life. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think for some people, it can be very helpful maybe to restrict, narrow, mm-hmm. even what they're reading in Scripture for a season. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just go to the Gospels. Maybe you just go to the Gospel of John. Mm-hmm. Maybe for a season, I'm not saying for life, but for a season, you say, my Bible has one book, it's the Gospel of John. And just go sit with Jesus and, and just allow Jesus to reintroduce himself oh. to you and then see where that goes. I've seen this help people. Oh, and and also don't don't uh, find a community of friends, of uh, fellow believers that are that are not intimidated by your questions. Doubt is is just part and parcel of trying to believe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to be a believer, you are going to be a doubter. <laughs> it's just it's the ebb and flow, you right. know, the ebb and flow <clears throat> of of life. And doubt is not actually a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, doubt becomes a big deal when we won't acknowledge it, when we try to lock it away. Mm-hmm then that's when it becomes truly monstrous and can be very destructive to us. If we'll just bring our doubts into the broad daylight, mm-hmm. which, yeah, it's, it's not that bad. And so, but you may need to do that through conversation with trusted friends. So, so Jesus in the gospel of John and some friends that are not intimidated by you expressing your concerns, your doubts, your questions, that sort of thing. Um, and that may mean that you need to find maybe a new community because I, I'm perfectly aware that there are fear-based mm-hmm. churches mm-hmm. where 
questions and doubts are not permitted. And everybody has to either not have any doubts or fake it. And that's that's very destructive. And eventually, yeah. And then eventually, you just I'm done doing that. Right. So you you may need to find a a community of people Mm -hmm. that are comfortable with others having doubts and questions. But those are the two things I would. I mean, there's a lot. And that's (laughs) and read 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 when everything's on fire. (laughs) And that's the third thing. There we go. (laughs) That's great. And no, I mean it will it will help you as one who has. You know, this is not a light. Number one, you've lived it. Number two, you are pastoring people through it. Yeah. Um, and number three, you have a you know so much wisdom to bring to bear that is authentic to help, and that is uh, that is beautiful. Well, you've helped me. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, where can they find your books and find you? And you know, you'll find my books wherever you want to go looking for books generally, but uh, you can find me online, but just Google my name, Brian with an I Zond Z A H N D. I'm as far as I know, I'm the only one out there and, and you will find that I'm pretty active on Twitter. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram. I used to have a blog. I mean, I still have it. I don't hardly write them anymore. Podcasters killed the blog <laughs> or now, now it's, now it's, what is it? This, everybody's doing this. Uh, I don't know what it is. Sorry, hey, what from, is the newest thing? Yeah, <laughs> the newest thing is the uh, Substack, Substack, which I call Substacks. I am already behind. <laughs> yeah, but I don't do that. So, okay. so, so, just Google me. You'll find me. You, you, you'll find all my sermons on YouTube, and you'll also find other. You'll find people. You'll find cranks on YouTube telling you that I'm a heretic. I'm not. I'll confess the Apostles' Creed right now if you want me to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am well orthodox day. in my faith, yeah. but I'm not hard to find if you go looking for me. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much. And Brian, I just want to say thank you for coming on and being willing to share your thank time. You. I know you are in demand uh, and I'm I'm grateful and I'm grateful, honestly, for what you've unknowingly poured into my life. I'm very mm. grateful. Thank it's you. It's very good to meet you, Catherine. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, everyone share this. Somebody needs that. Someone's hanging by a thread or just wants to be reestablished deeper in what they know to be true and what they're finding out. And so share this with someone and thank you for joining. Thank you once again, Brian. And everyone have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit CatherineToon.com.